Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the Jesus That's Good News podcast. This is a space where we are going to share the gospel, aka the good news, to anyone who has a vulnerability to pull up a chair at Jesus' table with no reservation needed. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Devin. Welcome to church this morning. Yes, pull up a chair. Welcome. Yes, welcome to this holy moment, this holy time. I was just looking out my window and saw some individuals walking home from church, but this is my church. And we want to invite everyone into it. It kind of goes part and parcel with what we're going to talk about today. Actually, this who's allowed in and and who's not, you know. Yeah, so how was your week? Give me an update. It was good. It was my wife's birthday this past week. So we did a lot of celebrating and it was just an exciting time this week. So you married a cougar, is what you're saying. I did. I did. I, <laughs> one, outkicked my coverage, and two, I leveled up, if you will. I got you. Well, yeah, happy birthday, Katie. What? A, yeah, that was great. Got to spend some time with friends, I'm sure. So it's wonderful. How was your week? It was pretty good. Um, it's so hot, and the garden is really kind of struggling right now. Need a little bit more rain. But yeah, otherwise... Spending time in the pool when I can, baptizing myself all over the place. Every cannonball is a new baptism. Every one of them, yeah. I, I got a lot of sin going on here, Devin. So you do need church, and that's why we're here today, yeah, right? this is our church. This is our church. Yeah, welcome everybody that's listening. We're glad you've joined us today. We're going to be looking at something that you said at the very beginning of the intro, and you say it on the outro. Is that is that a word, Devin? Outro? We're going to make it an outro. But you, you use that phrase, welcome to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where did that come from for you? I, like, I, we didn't discuss how you would have an introduction for the podcast. You just kind of came up with that. Yeah, I think it's a word and term that we use a lot in Bible study every week. And I just love it because it's a great visualization. Um, it's something that I never really felt growing up that, you know, Jesus had a table of fellowship and that literally everybody was welcome. I always felt that maybe my seat wasn't there. Mm. You remember at Thanksgiving or Christmas, everybody had like a kitty table? Yeah. They get to sit the kids table in the other room, you know, or you're kind of in, but you're really not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of how I felt with Jesus's table. And so I just wanted to, you know, really include that here in this community online. Oh, that's great. Yeah. when And we're going to talk about table fellowship a little bit today, but I know that We've talked about in our friendship being intentional over the past couple years, and we've had a lot of table fellowship at the Panera at Eastgate Mall in Cincinnati. We sure did. Mm-hmm. And it's around the table where great conversations happen. Where we truly break great Panera bread. Great bread and a Diet Pepsi, or you guys are water <laughs> drinkers. But no, it's where we get to know people. We start to mm-hmm. uh, develop uh, intimacy, and we start sharing our stories a little bit. And all that table fellowship we've kind of had together has led us to this moment. It really has, Julie, and I loved every bit of it so far. Well, let's just jump right into Mark chapter 2. I want to take a look at actually two different passages today, Devin. Let's kind of follow up where we were talking about Jesus healing the paralytic last week and look at Jesus having dinner with someone called Matthew. His name was also Levi. We're going to look at that, and then we're going to hop over to... 1 Corinthians, because that bit of scripture is so personal to me. I got a little bit of a story uh, to go into there with that. But I'll tell you what I'll do is I'm going to go ahead and read Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 13, and just kind of riff on that for a moment, 
give you a little bit of a background and then we'll hop on over. So if you guys are following along, we're starting in verse 13. This is after Jesus healed the paralyzed man. So it says here in verse 13, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake and a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. So in this case, Devin, Levi is Matthew. He's also becomes one of the disciples. He sees him there and he says, follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, major red flag there, Devin, by the way, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples. Notice, by the way, they asked the disciples, not Jesus. Right. Chickens. Okay. They asked, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we just have a brief moment here of Jesus getting together with a guy that he called said hey follow me and he was a tax collector which is a man that's a whole other podcast Devin they were just they were considered like the scum of the earth yeah they were the ones who would essentially go around town and rip off their community members asking for more money than really what was owed oh yeah and they would take the rest of the profit so tax collectors were no good Yeah, so Jesus goes to Matthew's house, which I'm imagining was huge because Mm -hmm. he was constantly skimming money off the top from his friends, his neighbors, his relatives, everyone in the community. So he's probably got a huge house, you know, living in a lot of wealth and everything. So it was very easy for the Pharisees to say, I know who lives in that home. It's a tax collector. And other scriptures will talk about how this wasn't just a dinner, but like, Devin, this was a banquet. This was a huge feast because he could afford it. Sure. So he invites all of his other scandalous friends, you know, to come around and and join him for dinner. And so rule number one, by the way, is never talk about Jesus when Jesus is in the room. (laughs) You're about to be put in your place. (laughs) Because he's like, you're talking about me. I hear you, you know, but yeah, but Jesus kind of puts them in their place. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm laughing because it's just a funny scene. Let's talk about table fellowship, though, for just a moment. Devin, who do you think would be on that guest list if you were going to dinner at a Pharisee's house? Probably only other Pharisees. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because they only messed with each other. They only liked each other (laughs) and nobody else. Yeah. And they claim to be the only ones kind of doing religion right. And worthy enough to be at a Pharisee's table. Exactly. So there is no way that a Pharisee was going to invite the poor, the blind, Mm. right? Mm. If you were poor, that meant that you could not afford to go up to temple and offer sacrifices on a regular basis. And if you couldn't do that, sinner. Yeah. Think about what we talked about last week, Devin. If you were lame, if you were blind, if you had leprosy, what was that an indication of in their mind? Sinner. Again. Again. And so the only people sitting around their table were clean people. Mm. Clean people. And so here, yeah, here we have Jesus who is going to the sinner's home. It's like Mean Girls. Oh, it is. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. And if you're not wearing pink, then you can't sit at my table. That's right. I love that analogy, by the way. It is. It's like the Mean Girls of first century Judaism, if you will, or the first century Palestine, because they believe their acceptance in God's eyes was determined or tied very closely with who they associated with. 
Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus is coming to sit down at, at a dinner at a tax collector's house, the most despicable person in town, the Pharisees just can't believe what they're seeing. But see, Jesus, Devin, we've talked about this so many times, right? The upside down kingdom. This is the great reversal. Jesus is reversing everything. And the beauty of this gathering is that Jesus is saying, no, it's not that your presence makes me dirty. It's that my presence makes you clean. There's the beauty in, in joining Jesus for dinner at the table. Jesus blows any preconceived ideas about who's in and who's out right out of the water. He's saying, if I'm going to have dinner with people, these are my people. Right. I don't need you to come here with your act all together. I don't need you to come here clean. That's why we're coming to the table because we are unclean. We all are unclean. Every single day I am unclean and that's why I want to come to the table. Yes. And it's not an unclean where I'm being shamed by Jesus. It's not that kind of unclean. It's just human nature that every day I know I'm going to mess up every day I am weak and I need you Jesus to be strong yes absolutely and I I think another thing too that Jesus was doing was he was imparting an inherent value in these individuals like saying I know you I see you I know what you've done I know what everyone thinks about you but I want you to hear I declare you clean pull up a seat right next to me I remember, and I hope Taylor doesn't care about this, but I remember when she was a freshman at Moorhead, she decided to go through Rush. Do they have sororities, by the way, at Thomas More? Uh, Maybe like one or two. You were the basketball sorority, right? I was not a sorority girl, but I think there were a few. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what Rush is? Like, I just know a little bit about it, but... Break it down. Isn't it where you had to like go and basically prove yourself that you are, quote, worthy to be in their sorority. And I'm not, you know, I'm not dissing anyone who's in a sorority at all. Mm-hmm. That's not why I'm sharing this. I'm, I'm sharing this from the mom perspective. I never personally went through Rush when I was at Moorhead. I found my people in other ways. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, Devin, it's really about people wanting to find a place to belong. At least sure. that's what I think. But I remember when Taylor decided to go through Rush. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, three days of activities it's dinners and I don't know what all they do and I remember Taylor being so nervous through the whole thing and wondering who she was going to get they call it a bid who she was going to get a bid from and I was so upset by that I was upset at the fact that people were going to judge my daughter based on interactions for three days and there's no way they could know her heart I'm not saying that Taylor is perfect hi Taylor I love you We know that. I mean, I'm just saying, how do you get to know someone in three days? I don't think that you can. And so every judgment on whether or not you're going to belong to that group or not belong is based, I think, on exteriors. And I think the Pharisees did this. You know, they they would stand back and they would look at what someone did or, or kind of judge from the outside. And granted, tax collectors were kind of, you know... They had a bad rap. They did, and they and they earned that to a certain degree. But I think Jesus is saying, you know, you're judging from the outside, but let me tell you about my kids, my sons and daughters, my brothers and sisters, right? I know their hearts. I, I know them inside and out. And I'm telling you, they are worthy to be known and to be loved. And that we all should be able to sit at the same table together. Yes, yes. 
I was listening to a podcast by a gentleman named Jonathan Martin, and actually, Devin, the name of his church in Oklahoma City is called The Table. Ooh, I like that. So where are you going this morning? I'm going to The Table. The Table. I'm going to The Table. I love it. And he just has so many great ideas and and thoughts about communion, but in this podcast I was listening to, he was apologizing to anyone who had ever been turned away from taking communion or turned away from the table, turned away from church. And he said, what you have to remember is that if you were not invited to that table, you can be sure that it wasn't Jesus's table. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Retweet, cosign, all of the above. And I loved it too. He said, you know what? He goes, there's no man that's in charge of the guest list. Come on, this guy is on fire. He's awesome. Like, you can be sure that if the guest list excludes individuals. It's not Jesus's table, period. I'm not in charge of the guest list, and neither are you, Devin. What man is? And it's so sad because those people who are wanting to come to Jesus's table, physically and mentally opening every single door to come into Jesus's table, is being turned away. Like, that's backwards. Yes, according to Mark chapter 2. Just read this. This little brief interaction. It is so opposite of what Jesus intends. That's exactly how I felt was I got baptized at a big church, local church here, and I was hungry for Jesus. It was the first time in my whole life that I felt a pull to Jesus. I wanted more. And so I, I went to church every Sunday. My family and I went to church every Sunday. And again, not for the checklist, but because I enjoyed going. I felt good about myself. I felt good about where I was at. It's exciting to be in that moment, isn't it, by the way, where you're like really hungry? Like that's yes. exciting. So you're like pursuing that excitement. I love it. And I get there and my girlfriend at the time and I were starting to get really serious and thinking about marriage and all that stuff. And so I did some Googling, like is blank church do they accept same-sex marriage? And I wasn't going to be shocked that they didn't. Let's just be honest. But then I was like, okay, I can get I can get married by somebody else, a.k.a. Julie Evans. Hello. Best decision of our lives. <laughs> and then I go to, all right, well, I want to get more involved in the church. Can someone in a same-sex relationship also serve at mm. X church? Nope. So you're going to tell me that I am hungry for Jesus. Mm. I want to serve in my community. Preach. I want to spread the good love to Preach. others around me. Go, girl. But wait, you can't because you're in a same-sex relationship. That's not Jesus' word. That is not what he wants. Devin, I hate that for you. I hate it in so many ways. But what I... And I, you're not the first person, sadly, that I've heard this story from. And Julie, that's why I wanted to start this podcast, too. I mean because everybody needs to hear more of you, but also because I'm not the only one whose chair was ripped out from under them. That's so visual. I see that in my head. Like you're saying that you come hungry, you come desiring to know Jesus better. Can you imagine Jesus saying, nope, chair's not for you? Or Forrest Gump. Yes. He's taken. (laughs) I... I'm trying to imagine a scenario where that happens. Make it make sense, Julie. I can't. I cannot make it make sense. Nope. I can't do it. And yeah, you're right. This is why we started this podcast. There's so many other people who feel the same way. And it's just terrible. People who are hungry for Jesus. Sorry, dude. You're not on the guest list. Turn around. Yeah. I have had so many conversations, by the way, with individuals who come to church week after week after week. And 
uh, at the church I was attending, we offered communion every single week, Devin, and I would see individuals stay in their seats because somewhere along the way they have been told that they are not worthy enough, mm-hmm. that they are unwelcome at the table. And it could be more than just your sexual orientation. Like you were saying, it could be that you're not paying enough money. You're not tithing enough at the church. It's the way you look. It's the way you identify. It's what you've done in the past. Yeah. Who knows? It could be everything. That's why in the intro, I say all are welcome to pull up a seat. You don't need to call Jesus and confess as to why you're coming to the table. You don't have to put a, I'm coming on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Jesus. No. You're always welcome. You're welcome today. You're welcome tomorrow. You're welcome eight years from now. And he doesn't pick up the phone when you call in and hear you saying on the other line, ashamed party of one tonight, Jesus. <laughs> I'd like a seat. We could all say that. It would be like, he. let's say he's the, the guy calling out, I have ashamed party of one. I mean, everyone's going to raise their hands. That's me. I'm ashamed party of one. You don't need a reason to come to Jesus' table. He wants you just to pull up a chair. And on the flip side of that, he doesn't have reservation about you coming mm. to his table. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, ooh, well, you know, she doesn't have quite enough money to sit at my table. Mm. Or, ooh, uh, he doesn't look the part. Or, ooh, she might be a little bit too gay for my table. <laughs> <laughs> his table and your seat at the table is always ready for you. And I can see him, you know, you walk in the door and Jesus is in his, you know, like nice little bow tie outfit. And he says, follow me, miss, right this way. Yeah. Or I think he even says, oh my God. Oh my, oh my father. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so glad, like, I'm so glad you made it. Mm -hmm. Think about how excited you are when you're gathering together with friends and perhaps someone shows up and you weren't expecting them and you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. Yes, that warmth. And Devin, you said something earlier that, you know, you said you don't have to say anything. And I, Mm -mm. because you know what? You showing up at the table says it all. Says it all. We always talk about this. Actions speak louder than your words do. Yes, this is good news. So you guys, the reason we talked about Jesus meeting with sinners and and tax collectors is because I want you to understand how he established the table practice, but how we, in our human nature, take something beautiful that Jesus did, and we totally just screw it up. We mess it up. (laughs) Right? Because Jesus sets this perfect table fellowship up, and we're like, I think we can tweak that a little bit, Jesus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's really nice that you invited people, but we kind of want to do something a little different here. So that's why we're going to go forward in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Have you, Devin, ever experienced a good old-fashioned butt chewing? Have I ever? I mean, from when I was a little kid acting ornery and talking back to my parents to as an athlete growing up. I mean, I had coaches in my face where, you know, the spit – accidentally would come just all <laughs> over my face when they're giving me a good chewing. So was it yes. for motivation purposes or to shame you? What do you, what was it like? It's motivation. It's to make me better. Okay. They know that I am not performing how I should. And I appreciate that. Oh, uh, we didn't even rehearse this, you guys, but you just framed that perfectly, Devin. Thank you for saying that because we're going to read in first Corinthians about a good old fashioned butt chewing. I love a good ass chewing, Julie. Oh, let's go. Let's do it. Um, And by the way, if you are more upset about Devin saying ass than you are about people not being invited to the table, I'm going to tell you to pause and do a little self-reflection. Snaps for that. 
So Devin, let me set the scene real quick. So Paul has established this church in a very metropolitan kind of town called Corinth. Corinth was kind of like the New York City of its day. Uh, A lot of theater, a lot of the trading business was really, it was, it was huge. I mean, it was popping city. Yeah, that's right. And of all things, Paul had gone in there and established a, a church, which is, which is pretty amazing. And then Paul leaves and he goes off and he, um, you know, he continues like ministering in other towns, but then word gets back to him that the table practice of Jesus that Paul established in Corinth has been like just distorted in ways that is making him really, really angry. So we have an idea of how Jesus wants us to come to the table, who's invited to the table. But let's take a look at this real quick. Do you mind reading 17 through 22? Sure. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you guys. Go ahead, Dev. All right, here we go. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For, in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it, in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you must be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Oh, come on, Paul. Let's go. He is ticked off. And I mean, he is so angry. Just from the very beginning here, especially in verse 17, he goes, listen, I'm about ready to tell you guys some stuff. But let me tell you, when you come together as a church... It's not for the better. It's for the worse. Mm. What an indictment of the church. Mm-hmm. This is where people get turned off by the church because it's more about religion in the church and not spiritual growth and healing yeah, in the church. Yeah, not about transformation, right? Correct. What he is saying here, I mean, he's telling them that their meeting together is doing more harm than good. A heavenly day, Devin. Like if anyone ever said, we listen to that podcast, Jesus, That's Good News, and, and it's doing more harm in my spiritual life than good, then turn it off, my friends. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't good then. It's not good. And so Paul is really, really angry here because the church is doing so much harm to individuals. And the question is why? Why is he so angry? We have to remember something here, Devin, too is that he's not talking about a random group of individuals. He's talking about people in the church, people who are supposed to be doing this thing right, yes, causing more harm than good. And he mentions too, I mean, use that word faction. He's talking about divisions. What he's talking about is mean girls all over again, Devin. You guys are choosing to divide rather than bring everybody together in unity. Yeah, so I remember that in that movie. In Mean Girls, right? You had the people at the table who were like nerds or you had your athletes, your preppy. Yeah, it's, it's all division. Paul is saying, and he's echoing Jesus's words. I mean, okay, so if that's how you're doing school, I get it. I don't agree with it. If that's how you are at any other social gathering, I get it. I don't agree with it. But I'm telling you, it's not to be done in my house. It's not to be done when my people gather together. 
but why 2,000 years later is it still being done? We're all reading the same Bible, people. I know. It boggles the mind. It, it really mm-hmm. does. And so just a, a brief background about gathering together for table fellowship. It was so important. It was a cultural thing, Devin that um, the early church in that time didn't really have a building they would go to. They would gather at someone's home and probably someone who was quite wealthy because they had the room literally to house everyone. Um, But they would gather together and, and there were certain ways that the banquet was held. And there was usually a dining area inside the home, but it probably couldn't fit most people. And so a lot of individuals would kind of um, mingle or gather out in like an atrium, an outer courtyard But the idea, though, is that there would be plenty of food and wine for all to come and eat and drink. And Paul talks about in verses 23 and 26 that when you gather together, when you come together as a group and and you're having dinner together, that you remember what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus was at a dinner. He was at Passover dinner and he just happened to take the bread that was there. And he said, you know, this is my body broken for you. And, And he took the wine and he said, you know, this is a new covenant I'm establishing with you guys. And, and whenever you eat and you drink of this, I want you just to remember me. You know, think about what I did. And so what was happening is all these members of the church were coming together. And the wealthy and those who had kind of split themselves off from the rest were coming to the table and eating in excess. To get full. Not to eat in remembrance of Jesus and what he wanted for us. Yeah. And, and Paul's like, do you want me to commend you on this? This, right. is, this is ridiculous. Y'all are eating all the food and you're drinking all the wine until you get drunk. You're not doing it right. No, they weren't. They, it was all about themselves. And, and some of the individuals who were probably poor in the church were still maybe out working in the fields or doing whatever they needed to do just to get by. And when they showed up for church to partake of the bread and the wine, it was gone. And Paul, again, is saying, you're causing more harm than good. He's not really talking about, this is not about charity for the poor. This is about dignity. This is about dignity versus humiliation. And your intention. We talk about all the time. What, what is your heart's intention when you come to the table? It's like that old saying, Devin, the ground is level at the cross. Yes. Right? We are all coming to Jesus at the same level. And it's the same level when we come to the table. Mm-hmm. No one is elevated above anyone else. We are all coming, as you said, not to not to feast and get gorge ourselves on food or get drunk with wine, but coming because we say we are in need of, of a taste of Jesus, right? We're in need of something that he has to offer. And so in verse 22, I think Paul is making it very clear that they were despising the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing. And this Mm. hurts the heart of God. The table was never meant to be about haves and have nots, Devin. Never. Like you said earlier, it could be the, their sexuality or the color of their skin or their finances. Can you imagine, by the way, let's say you went back to the church that you had been attending, or if, even if I go to my little local church, let's pretend that one Sunday they're going to have everyone sit in order of their financial prosperity. (laughs) it would be awful wouldn't it be awful because all that would be doing is elevating those who have and 
demeaning and disgracing those who have less. I'm bringing shame into the room. A horrible distortion of the beautiful meal left to us by Jesus. So Paul is all about getting rid of divisions. He's saying, uh, we're not going to, this is not how it's going to be. This is not about, uh, you've divided the body of Christ, whereas we're supposed to be one. And the best part about coming to the table with others who are wanting to come to the table, but uh, maybe not have felt worthy enough to come to the table, is that we all can relate to each other in that. And we can learn from each other in that. And we can grow with each other. Imagine the spiritual energy that would come from that. Like, that would be off the charts. Contagious. Yes, that's how it should be. Is that, hey, we're all unworthy. Let's celebrate together. Let's break bread together. Let's relate to each other. Tony Cam, I think it was Tony Campolo, uh, said the kingdom of God is a party, right? And everyone's invited, like, come, and it's not the same without you. Imagine how different the world would be if we all were on that same page. Instead of the division, instead of the you're not worthy, instead of you can't come to my table, imagine if we all felt the warmth and the goodness at our seat at the table together. And it comes with the vulnerability that we always talk about, but with no shame here. There's no shame at this table. So I can come and say, hey, I'm gay. Cool. I'm divorced. Cool. Yeah. I'm black. Cool. Whatever it is, we all are there to celebrate our indifferences together. And that would be spiritual growth. Oh, yeah. That would be what Jesus is looking for at the table. You got your preach on this morning. I totally, totally agree. So again, Paul tells them, you know, when you gather together, remember what Jesus did, remember what he sacrificed, remember that he came to bring the good news and he wasn't going to stop even if it took him to the cross. So we gather together, we remember what Jesus did. And then he gives a bit of scripture here. He talks a little bit, and I have to mention this as kind of like our final talking point, because this is personal for me. He talks about something that has been so mistranslated and done so much spiritual harm to individuals. In verse 27, uh, Devin, if you have that in front of you, yep. do you mind reading that uh, last little bit? So, And if you guys have your Bibles, follow along, but we're going to pick it up in verse 27. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So Paul is saying here real quick that you, if you're going to be taking the bread and the wine, I need you to connect to the meaning of what's going on. But where the horrible mistranslation comes is in verse 27, where it talks about individuals taking the the bread and the wine in an unworthy manner. So many individuals have read that and they think, well, that that counts me out because I am unworthy. My friends, let me state this categorically, as Devin has said over and over again, we're all unworthy. Mm -hmm. Not one of us is worthy. Am I worthy enough to like stand in the holiness and the goodness of Jesus? Oh, hell no, I'm not. I'm not. But many individuals have thought that the word unworthy is talking about a judgment of their character. And what we have to understand is in this scripture, he's using it as an adverb in an unworthy manner. We are gathering at an open table, my friends. And I got to throw a quote in here, Devin, because it's just so good. There's an old preacher from the 1800s named Charles Spurgeon. And he says, 
And he must have been kind of talking about the same thing. He says, there is one more thing I'm going to say, and I feel half ashamed to say it. Some professedly Christian people urge that they cannot come to the table because there are certain persons there who, in their judgment, should not be allowed to come. Is the Lord's table to be a judgment seat? Whereat we are to revise the verdict of the church. My friends, we gather at a table and not a judgment seat. Yep. Bottom line, and like I said earlier, if you have been made to feel unwelcome at Jesus' table, as Jonathan Martin said, then it's not his table. Not his table. If you were listening last week, I mentioned uh, gathering together with my friend Jennifer uh, when she passed away from cancer. And as one of the individuals who spoke at her funeral, she had talked to me before she passed about one of the things that she wanted was she wanted communion served at her funeral. Uh, Jen didn't grow up Catholic. She didn't really grow up Methodist. She didn't grow up in high church, if you will. But it was one of the things that the chemo sabbies did when we had gathered together before we did anything else. We'd usually sit on my living room floor and we would take bread and wine and and we would read actually the scripture from First Corinthians and just talk about the good news of Jesus. And she wanted that done at her funeral. Well, there were two other individuals who were also officiating who were relatives of her husband. One of them was a relative of her husband. And um, I think they were a little upset because first of all, a woman was doing part of the service. How dare you, Julie, you and your woman. I know all me and my X chromosomes. So anyways, Jen had talked to me at length about what she wanted. And I was meeting with these two other pastors prior to the service. And I said, listen, after you guys get done doing what you're doing, I'm going to say a few words about Jen and then we're going to offer communion. And the one pastor looked at me and was like, you're going to do what? I said, we're going to have communion. She wanted to offer it at her funeral. And the two men kind of looked at each other. And I knew exactly what was going through their minds. Uh, They didn't really say anything to me uh, about it. (laughs) And um, I had already talked to my friend Kendra. Her husband is a pastor. And he he came in and he blessed the, what we call the elements. He prayed over the bread and, and the wine. And so fast forward a few minutes later, Jen's husband comes to me and said, you know, what were y'all talking about? And I said, we were talking about her desire to have communion. And he said, well, some of the individuals are really mad that we're doing that. You know, he didn't care because that's what she wanted. Right. And he goes, I just watched one of the pastors go up to some of my family members and they've left the service. They actually left the service. Because communion was going to be offered to all. Exactly. It was going to be served. And so we had communion during the service. The line, it it was just ridiculous. The people that came up and, and I remember saying to, um, to the people as we did the invite and I expressed the importance of why we were doing it. And it was what Jen wanted. And, and I said, you know, and I, and I named the two guys, the two pastors that were there and I'm going to call them Joe and Bob. And I said, you know, this isn't Joe's table and it's not Bob's table. And it's not even Jen's table. And it's not mine. It's the table of Jesus Christ who invites all to come. So fast forward, about two and a half weeks later, Jen's husband passes away from a massive heart attack. So I'm officiating that funeral. Hmm. And the same pastor that was so upset about communion being served shows up for that visitation. And so he pulls me aside. He goes, now, Julie... He goes, I didn't mean any disrespect. You know, he goes, I did not agree with you serving communion because, you know, the word says 
that those who are unworthy are not allowed to come to the table. Mm-mm-mm. And I was furious to the point where we kind of got in a little mini debate in the middle of the funeral home, Devin. Mm-hmm. And what I was furious about was that he said that. He also said it was his job to warn others about the wrath of God, which is a whole other issue, too. <sighs> Heard that before. Yeah. And um, what upset me the most, though, was that I did not, I could not recollect the scripture that he was talking about. And it was this scripture, this scripture. And I knew that all were welcome to the table, but I felt like I couldn't back it up scripturally. And I called my good friend Steve on the way home and I said, talk to me about this scripture. Why am I not, why am I not understanding this? What am I missing here? And he said, Julie, you're not wrong. He says, Julie, that scripture is talking about taking communion in an unworthy way, not about being too unworthy to take it. And it took something like that to really change my heart and my mind and understand that bring it that the table is open to everybody and that we are yes we are unworthy every single one of us but it is my job I feel that God has called me and Devin he's called you to bring the good news of love and not of anger and not of hate and not of judgment we can honestly come to the table and I can look at you and say Devin I'm a mess and you can say I'm a mess too Julie let's talk about the good news of what Jesus has done. Let's feel the love of God. Yes, my friends, that's what we want to talk about. Jesus, this is good news. Because of Christ, we are all one body, and there is no other. There is no outsider. There's only us, us, the beloved of God, beloved sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. Whom he delights in. Yeah, and the table is set, and he asks you to come of a chair no reservation needed i'll preach so good so yeah we may have went long on this one but man we feel passionate about i mean i i know i'm speaking for you Devin. yes you are we just feel really passionate about this i hope this resonates with at least just one person out there who hasn't felt like their seat belonged at the table because friends you are welcome you are worthy so cheers to that oh man can you imagine a table big enough for like everybody? I, I just can't imagine it. It's in one big just cheers. Cheers. Like yeah. everybody just cheers to our brokenness, our unworthiness. We're all here to grow together. Cheers to just being, you know, being together, sitting together. Salud. <laughs> there we go. So what are we gonna talk about next week, Devin? All right. So next week is another one of my favorites, ladies and gentlemen. This is John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, and it's the do you want to get well scripture. And that's a great question. Do you want to truly and intentionally get well? As, as you kids might say, um, you know, me being 55, this shit's about to get real next week. <laughs> it's about to go down, Julie. So we hope everybody tunes in next week as well, but... Until then, just a reminder, you can visit us at stoveleg.com slash holy, where you can submit any prayer requests that Julie and I would love to pray for you and with you about. And you can also visit us on our amazing Facebook page that Julie has done a wonderful job. Uh, She puts out good news. She puts out quotes. Imagine that. She puts out (laughs) motivational nuggets throughout the week. So check us out there as well. And lastly, if you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And if you don't like it, 
you can still pull up a chair at our table. We'll take you any day. So Devin, since we just dedicated a whole podcast to it, take us home with our outro, if you will. So on behalf of Julie and myself, here's the good news. May we be it, may we seek it, may we spread it. So pull up a seat. There's no reservation needed. Be well, friends.